The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. Today's episode is episode number 244. It's the month of December 2021. We're getting very close to the holidays. And I hope that if you or someone that you love needs treatment, that that's something that you're addressing. If you really have a very strong desire to not get them into treatment before the holidays, last week's podcast was an interview with a woman who has an organization called Love With Boundaries, and that organization can help you navigate the holidays with an addicted family member. So you should definitely check that website out, Love with boundaries.org. The interview was with Candace Platter, and she's an addiction specialist and has her own history with addiction. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a good rating so that more people will find us. Our whole purpose with this podcast is to give people who are suffering from addiction a message of hope and to let them know that help is available. So the more people who can find us, we figure, the more people we're helping. Today we have an interest, uh, we have an interview with a woman named Tracy Lynn. Now, I know that I have spoken on the podcast, or at least I think I have, about a series. It's kind of like, it's a drama, but it's definitely based on a, a very true story. It's called Dope Sick, and it is all about Purdue Pharma and how the sales team at Purdue Pharma and the marketing team lied to doctors about the addictiveness of OxyContin and the fact that the Sacklers were behind that whole evolution and they were behind that marketing program. So this woman actually lived that. She was prescribed OxyContin. She became addicted to it. She was on 60 milligrams a day and her for many years she took it and her journey through detox was quite horrific. She now has a podcast. Her name is Tracy Lynn. She has a podcast called Cleaning Out the Closet One Milligram at a Time. And I want to hear more about that podcast. She provides it as a as a forum for people to tell stories kind of like we do. Um, specifically stories about people who have suffered from addiction to OxyContin. So without further ado, let's talk to Tracy Lynn. Tracy Lynn, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast and tell your story. Thank you for having me to tell my story. I feel so honored that you wanted to meet me. Well, you are more than welcome. And I know that your story is going to resonate, especially... And I know we can talk about this later, but especially with the final episode of Dope Sick being released this week. Now, I know this podcast won't go up for a couple of weeks, but yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. I, you know, I, it's not all yeah. I'm going to say. It's like when we're all done, I'll probably have an editorial comment about it. Um, you know, never, Steve said dope sick. I guess dope sick. Yes, that's what I said. Um, I, you know, I don't think since Nazi Germany have we experienced the evil that is the Sacklers. And um, yeah, 
That's interesting that you say that. Um, I have I have thought many times that I feel like a, a survivor of the Holocaust. But that is truly that I feel like my body, my brain and my body have been sort of pharmaceutically violated and in a, and almost tortured, which made me think of a Holocaust. I'm, a, I'm Jewish and so that's, you know, holds true to my soul. Um, and I don't want to take light of the Holocaust because it's very, very different and that deserves its utter respect. Um, however, as a person that has gone through this horrifying experience, I do feel that way. I do. Well, and a horrifying experience that just didn't have to happen. You know, the whole thing was actually orchestrated. But I digress. Tracy, where did you grow up? Tell us just about your background and and how how your journey with opioids began. Well, I, I so I grew up in a um, you know a, a middle up upscale affluent town in Connecticut. Um, I grew up as a figure skater, so I was a trained athlete. I was I did some competing when I was younger. I did some coaching after that. I had a very normal life. I grew up with parents that loved each other that are still married to this day uh, with a brother who did well and has a family. And, you know, there was nothing out of the, you know, nothing out of the box that was really like, oh, she might be, she might be headed for disaster. So, I mean, yeah, I was just living life, doing my thing. Um, and I went off to college. I came back and married my high school sweetheart who um, had an addiction. And at the time we were young and we were in our 20s. And so the word addiction wasn't even something I really knew. Um, I just knew that he partied more than he should have. And ultimately we didn't stay together. We had a little boy um, and I went off into my own world and was in a car accident in 2000. And I was I was hit from behind and I herniated a disc. And it was different pain than what I was used to as a figure skater. Would we'd fall, we'd get hurt, we'd, you know, we'd get bruises. Nobody cared. Nobody did anything about the pain. It was like, okay, fine, get up and do it again. And that's pretty much how it went. Um, but this pain was really different. And so um, I had to have surgery. And so uh, surgery, uh, fo you know, followed by physical therapy, endless agonizing uh, steroid injections, the pain just never went away. Uh, they finally sent me to a pain center at a very prestigious hospital in Connecticut. And I went into the waiting room and I, and I will say that after having watched this whole series of dope sick, I've, my life has been jarred every episode as to what happened to me. Because I remember going into that lobby and seeing all million of those people that I know now that the Sacklers had already rewired the rain and there was no way out for them. And so I wasn't there yet, but I went in there and they said, here, let's try a fentanyl patch. And they put a fentanyl patch on my back. I was like, okay, this hopefully will work. The next day I went up, got up, went to work because that's what I was having to do as a single mother. Um, and I almost fell, I fell asleep at the wheel and almost ended up in a ditch. Um, and so I knew that that medication was way too strong. So I went back down to the pain center, again, waiting for hours on end, sitting in that waiting room. And 
this, the pain center said, you know what, there's this new medication now it's called Oxycontin. It's supposed to be really great. You're supposed to be able to have a life. And, and you know, I got the whole, I got the whole narrative. The it's whole narr not addictive. Let me just tell everybody that's listening out there. This substance is addicted after five, your brain is addicted to this substance after five days, five days. That's it. Yep. And when you stop that, you're going to know about it. And so I listened to my doctors. They transferred my scripts up to where I lived and they just continued to write them as I, as I needed. Um, and I just kind of lived like that for a long time. But then, you know, I moved and my son was going into high school and then I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. And so I don't so, think I knew that. Was that yeah, I, don't, I don't think I don't, I don't think you did. OK, so in 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and um, as a single mom and I was already being, you know, on pain managed on quite a bit of opioids. I, I didn't even know what the word was back then. Right. And suddenly I was being faced with surgery and five surgeries and reconstruction and 33 rounds of radiation. And I was suddenly realizing that if I used my medication from the, from my pain guy to control my surgery pain, how was I supposed to be able to manage this? How was I? And so I didn't know that that was dopamine I was managing until right now. I didn't know for my whole life until 14 weeks ago what really happened to me. And so I was out there managing my own dopamine to avoid being dope sick because I would remember if I didn't get to the freaking pharmacy in time, I was sick. And it was not something I wanted to talk about, show anyone. It just couldn't exist in my life. So I lived my life like that, manipulating myself to not be dope sick until three years ago, which is hard to even believe. Um, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. They gave me, I manipulated every doctor. They get, just kept writing and writing. Um, I went and I, I, I watched scenes in that, in that series. And I remember being at the pharmacist and saying to him, God, this is so expensive. Cause I was having to pay for a lot of that, um, out of my own pocket. And, and I was like, if I'm taking, you know, 10 and 10, he's like, well, why don't you he, instead just take a 20 because that's, it's the same price. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what a great idea. And now I'm watching, oh my God, that was more. And then it, it was working. They were getting kickbacks. Who, how many people got kickbacks off of my suffering? Yes. It well, we know the Sacklers got rich. Well, it makes me see red and it makes my blood boil. And it's, it's, um, it's hard to believe that something like this could ever happen. Yep. When I have told people, I, I probably would not have been aware of the series and not have watched it if it weren't for the podcast. And we had a doctor on who mentioned the um, mentioned the series that was coming up. When I tell people about it, and this is exactly what I say, if it were fiction, it would be a really good, scary story. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's true is absolutely horrifying. It is, it is, it is so beyond the human, what, what humanity is there. There's these people laughed behind closed doors, making fun of people that they were taking 
lives and money for, for the sake of money, for money. It's like, who does this? Who is this person that, who are these people that just don't care that much, right? I mean, their karma's coming. I know that it is. That's how I live. I, you know, I can't stay mad at the Sacklers for the rest of my life. I have things to do. I have kids to save. I, you know, my son's been to four funerals at 25 years old, all related to opioids and fentanyl. And that's not okay. And that's their fault. Yep. And so, um, yeah. And so, like. So back to your story then. So So, back to my story. Um, So, you know, on and on I went. And I, you know, there were times where I, and I, at the same time, I was being prescribed benzos, Xanax. And so the fact that I'm not dead now that I've researched and learned all of this is a miracle. Um, And so my son, I suddenly realized was um, watching this every night. And watching his mother be blacked out every night. And I didn't even know what the word blackout meant. I didn't know what hillbilly heroin was. I didn't know Oxycontin was heroin until 14 weeks ago. I did not know. Nobody had ever told me. I wouldn't have known. Because I was just a single mom trying to keep my roof over my head so my son could be educated and go to college. And so for me, it wasn't like worrying about my medication. But then as time got as we became newer, people would see me take my meds and they'd be like, what are you taking? And I would say pain medication. And they would say, what is it? And I would say Oxycontin. And they would say, can I have some? And I would be like, why? Because it didn't, because I didn't, I'm not an addict. I, my body and mind were addicted, but I'm not an addict. And so I didn't care until they, until it ran out. And then I was dope sick. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, so I lived like that for a long time, have great relationships, was married, uh, was to the love of my life, had seven beautiful years of marriage with him. Um, and all over the years, my friends started to diminish. My life started to diminish. Um, and then I ended up in the hospital with, I thought an appendicitis, they came in and told me that I had an obstruction. Um, the surgeon said, you're going to sit on surgical standby. You have a bowel obstruction due to overuse opioid, op- opioid use disorder. And I looked at him and I said, what? He said, you need to get off the medication or your body will never be able to process food again. And I, it was in that one moment of clarity that I knew that I was probably going to be sick, right? Because you're always scared when you take this crap and everybody listening knows that. Um but I knew that I was going to be sick, but I really did not know how sick I actually was going to be. Well, and yeah, and it's and at that point, it's almost like if your body can't process food, you're basically looking at death anyway. So it's like you are at that point damned if you do and damned if you don't. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. 
Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. You know, this is, uh, I, I just want to make an editorial comment here. What you're talking about is not something that I recall us talking about on the podcast, which I think is very interesting because I know from personal experience with a friend of mine that long-term use of drugs can cause detrimental, irreversible damage to, I know the, the, to the body. To the body and the brain. And, um, and, and there you go. There's a perfect example of the stomach. You now have an intestinal blockage because of overuse of opioids. Right. Wow. Right. And at that time, uh, this was uh, December of 2017, I was taking 60 milligrams of, of opioids a day. And I had to work full time. And I couldn't let anyone really see it because of the stigma and the shame that I lived with. Basically, you know, my podcast called Cleaning Out the Closet is because I lived in a closet in my shame. I didn't know anything. I was terrified for anyone to see me like that. I mean, oh my God, what's wrong with you? You're going off drugs. You're a loser. That's what people feel. But you know what? We are humans with dignity and emotion and pride. And all we are in is trying to get our bodies clear and clean. And that is something that has to be talked about. There's nothing wrong with anybody. You know, nobody, nobody deserves the stigma that it has at all. And it makes, and it, and it just makes me so sad. Yep. That's right. You know, this is something we've said over and over again on the podcast, addiction, an addict, when we call someone an addict, it does not mean that they are a dirty homeless person under a bridge. Correct. It can be the, the very upscale young teenager. Yeah, exactly. Down the road who is, you know, sharing pills out of their friend's medicine cabinets. It, addiction knows no economic um, value, knows no religion, no, no. race, nothing. nothing. This new, new addiction, although it's always been there in one form or another, it affects everybody. It and does. so to stigmatize people with it, it just means they don't get help. They're not going to share because they're stigmatized. So why? Exactly. So you know what? So... I have, I have shared my shame and it has freed me. Mm -hmm. So my shame that I've shared of my hell detox, which by the way, I started detoxing in January of 2019. I still feel detox after almost three years. Um, And I, and you're not taking anything or are you taking anything anything in three years? Okay. So I, uh, yeah, I, I got myself from 60 to zero in 20 weeks with no help, no education, no support, no emotion, nothing in a bed, in the dark, working full time, sweating, doing it because I, I, I'm not an addict. I just wanted the crap out of my body and I couldn't quite understand why didn't I want it? Why, why, 
all those years I was taking it, I thought I was an addict because I would feel detox, but I didn't realize that that, isn't, that doesn't make it bad. And so I just wanted it out of my system and I've never wanted it again, mm-hmm. ever. So physical dependence versus drug dependence versus drug addiction are completely different. Nobody really understands that there is a difference, um, but detox is the same for everybody. So it doesn't matter. So if I hadn't been forced through detox, I I wasn't an addict. So how many there can follow? Yep. Yep. You know, it's interesting. You remind me of a, of a lady that we had on the podcast who, you know, was kind of sort of in that situation and she was just drinking every single day and taking a few pills. And when she finally went into treatment, she had friends who said, you don't need treatment. All you do is drink every day and take a few pills. Okay. That was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, people don't know where people just say, okay, because they feel, you know, and, and truly um, all the relationships and I had like a hardcore of people since high school, like tight people that I've actually wrote to and have apologized in person to because I wasn't an addict, but I behaved like one for 20 years. So I manipulated like one. I had been married to one. I knew the, I understood the behavior. I was comfortable around it. I didn't think there was anything wrong when in fact there was very wrong. And I had to, I had to own that, you know, that's, that's my ownership. And I'm, I'm comfortably admitting that. Right. Well, I think until, until you're willing to admit it, at least to yourself, I think it's hard to get better. Yeah, um, truly, is it's the relationship with my son that I, you know, that it needs the most work. This is truly about him. Did um, I read that he had his own drug problem? He, yes, he actually did. He started using, I just now learned when I was diagnosed with cancer. And um, by the time I knew that he had a problem, he was already in trouble. Um, and so... I didn't know what opioids was. He was using cough syrup. I didn't know what that looks like. Like, you know, I'm 54. It's just not my era, right? It's not my thing. Um, but his friends kind of came clean. I went looking, found these bottles, and I was like, holy crap. Um, and got him into treatment and then did one outpatient treatment, did very well with it. Um, and then a very close friend, an older friend who was out in Arizona actually asked if he would be willing to apply there. He would take him, he would kind of help him. And that's what he did. He got him clean and sober and passionate and successful and like really amazing and killing life. Um, The greatest kid ever saved my life because I would say, is he breathing? And he would put the phone over his face and say, he's breathing. Um, And sadly, he was just found dead in his law school apartment about four weeks ago. Um, from, you know, he liked cocaine and there was fentanyl in it. And now he's, he's gone. Oh my God. So it's so like, when I say I'm the perfect storm of endless irony, it's like, I, I can't even believe like what has transpired as I kind of went into just trying to understand why I still felt detox. It's just like this whole eruption of my life and it just keeps going. And no one expected us to not have JJ and we don't. I'm sorry, Tracy, your son, my son's best friend, your son's best friend, the one who got him clean. I see the one in Arizona. Yep. 
Yes. And that's, and that's what changed my mission again. It was like, first I'm, you know, what's wrong with me now I'm pissed at the Sacklers. Now I need to do this for JJ and his legacy that no more parents have to bury their kids. This has to stop. That's why we started this podcast. We don't have children who are addicted and we, but I can't, sorry. That's okay. It's a lot. I've been, I cry a lot, (laughs) but I I don't want another mother or father to go through that. But I should have, but the thing was, I should, could have had that phone call every day for five years and they got it instead. And so, you know, he just landed a literally the job of a lifetime. He's worked so hard. He's in politics, which is so crazy. And he can't share that with JJ. Wow. But you know, listen, everything has a, has a reason and, and no, there's no, you know, kids dying because they're snorting Xanax is insane. Um, and so I, I'll share on this podcast. I, you know, my story will go out tomorrow. So I'm still taking Xanax. I've been taking it for 24 years. It's something I don't want. It's something I don't need. Um, so I've decided that I'm going to detox off Xanax with a medical staff. And so you I, have to, I think you have to step down that you have to step it down, don't you? Yeah, I it's mean, a very that, slow, slow process. Um, a little in much more, you know, much more intense, but it's very well managed. I, I really put together quite a, I'm going to film it and I'm going to make a documentary. Wow. There isn't one out there. Um, and I'm then going to take a, I have a producer brain somehow. I'm going to take that production and make a little pg-13 version of that and then i'm going to the schools the middle school so that there's that you see this is what you're going to look like if you do this right they need to know yeah high school's too late oh yeah Uh, elementary school the probably fourth fifth and sixth is more where i'd like to start yeah is elementary school yeah yeah that's my that's my true mission wow well, we are going to want you to come back on after you do so. that so that you can talk about um, getting off of Xanax. Oh. So you've done a podcast. Tell us yes. about your podcast. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, my podcast is called Cleaning Out the Closet, and it is to bring awareness to detox and the shame and the stigma that it carries. Um, people need to be people that are in in detox, about to go into detox, or watching someone they love in detox, they need to have the education so that they understand what that actual person feels like, or that person feels like itself. So they can actually hit a podcast and know that they're not alone, because I've interviewed over 50 people, addiction specialists, doctors, chronic pain patients that use um, drug supporters, you know, every education I could possibly have found, I was able to find, um, and people in recovery and um, sharing their shame, a lot of them have never shared it before. And right. and for me, that's really, really amazing and humbling. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I know that that's going to help a lot of people because well, we know when we when we tell stories on this podcast that it helps people. So I know that that's going to help people because the the besides the stigma and and the stigma I think just comes from uh, ignorance. And I don't I don't mean that to to sound 
nasty, but it is ignorance that people have and they don't understand addiction and they don't understand drugs and they don't understand that there is something called physical addiction. And and then there's also spiritual and mental addiction. And there's there's and all three of those have to be addressed in order for someone to become clean and sober. Um, yes. maybe to a greater or lesser degree, um, individual to individual, but, um, agreed yeah. that. And I agree with that wholeheartedly because to be perfectly honest with you, the word recovery was also stigmatized and stereotyped in my own brain. And I couldn't identify with someone in recovery. How can I be in recovery when I'm not an addict? Well, you behaved like one for 20 years. So you're in recovery and you will be for the rest of your life. And I had to just kind of surrender to that. And, and I, once I did, I was like, recovery is amazing. (laughs) You know, it's like, I am very spiritual. And so part of that has been what has saved me through the very dark days when I will tell you, I, you know, I've been alone in this house for three years and it's been a lot. Wow. Wow. But but I'm strong. Yeah. You, I I am like in awe of you, Tracy. No, seriously. you. You know, we know that people go through different, we've had people who've gone through 12 step programs and people who've right. gone through other rehab programs and, you know, people who've gone through many, many rehab programs, but right. you basically did it on your own. And it, that's it, it, in the closet. And that's like, you were still working. Yeah. You, you said that I, you were still working I, while you had to go through I all was. that. I was so sick and I was so sick, my nervous system. And I think it's important that people hear exactly the detox, actual detox, because I don't know how detailed people are with you on this podcast. I haven't listened to all of them, you know, but I think people need to hear the symptom where you really, I mean, profusely sweating where you don't even know why you're sweating the way you are and it's cold sweat. So you can't escape it. And it's, your nervous system, it wreaks havoc. It just shakes from head to toe. It never stops. And your stomach feels like it's on the agitator of a washing machine cycle. And that never stops. And so with the throwing up diarrhea, no ability to eat, barely ability, you know, sludge. I was left with debilitating migraines and I have had a debilitating migraine for three years. So um, that was what opioids did the most. Um, and I've come to, come to terms with the fact that I may never be perfect. Um, but I'm hopeful that I will be because I, I, I exercise and I eat really healthy and I lost 50 pounds. I'll take that silver lining. No problem. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm in awe of you, of of your journey. I, I, we've heard from others that it's not pretty. Um, yeah. So it it can be done, but it can be done. So, you know, please people like I know you're listening. Anyone can do this. You just, you just need to just stick, stick your heels, your heels, put them in the ground and just do it. It's, it's, it will, you will get to the other side. Yep. I think that, I think that's a great message. I wish you huge amounts of success with your podcast. Um, Definitely would like to hear when you come off of Xanax. Sure. Um, that's going to be, as you say, kind of a different form of detox. Maybe your headaches will go away. Who knows? Uh, I am yeah. open for everything at this there, point. 
there you go. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only thing I would say, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, is make sure that you are taking vitamins and minerals yeah. so that you can put Very back. Healthy. Nutritionist okay. saved my life. The nutritionist is who saved me through detox. Okay, yes. good. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure you're adding that in because drugs destroy everything in your body, all the nutrients. Well, yeah. They destroyed my brain. And interestingly enough, it took three, almost three full years for my brain to click. And I've been working as a paralegal for 20 years. And I've been working in affordable housing as a manager in a housing authority for 12 years. And I work in accounting. And all of a sudden, my bosses are like, what are you doing? What's, what's, why aren't you making mistakes? Like all of us, I literally feel like someone unplugged my old brain and plugged something else in. Yeah. And that's real. Yep. I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Me too. <laughs> Tracy, thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today and, and share thank your story. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so lucky, like the luckiest girl in the world. You're the bomb. You are the bomb. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for watching our episode today um, or listening to our episode today. If you have not gone to Hulu and it's worth paying for Hulu for a month or however many months you have to get it, watch the series Dope Sick. It is dramatized. It is not a documentary, um, but it is absolute truth in terms of what Purdue did and what the Sacklers did to market Oxycontin and lie to doctors and lie to the people. Um, it's horrifying, absolutely horrifying. If it were fiction, it would be very dramatic and very entertaining. The fact that it's not fiction, the fact that it's true, horrifying. So listen, I digress. I don't wanna to get too dark here. We are into December. If you cannot get into treatment before the new year, and I would recommend that you do, if you cannot get your loved one into treatment before the end of the year, and I would recommend that you do that as well, go to lovewithboundaries.com or .org, I'm sorry, and get help then, so you know how to navigate the holidays through addiction. We'll be back again with another interview with, um, someone else who will have an interesting perspective on this whole addiction pandemic. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.